You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let's pray. Our Lord, we pray that those of us who are weary and heavy laden would come unto you, that we would take your yoke upon us, your burden is light, and that we would know you as gentle and lowly. In Jesus' name, amen. I would draw your attention this morning to John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. You have it there in your bulletin, but you might want to pull it up on your phone. Or my heart always delights to hear the rustling of the leaves of the Bible being turned to John chapter 1. An often overlooked passage. In fact, when I was looking uh, and preparing for this sermon, I was surprised at how many of uh, the great preachers of our day and age uh, whose sermons you can listen to online uh, gave careful attention to the great bulk of John chapter 1, but when it came to these verses, the calling of Philip and Nathaniel, uh, they simply moved on. And yet, I want us to stop this morning and look at this great calling, especially the calling of Nathaniel, uh, because in Nathaniel we see ourselves. And we can understand better what Jesus' call is on each and every single one of our lives. Nathaniel shows us where we are and who we are and when it is that we're called, called into a relationship with Jesus. And Nathaniel also shows us who and what we're being called to in our lives. Well, where are we and who are we and when we are called? God sees us exactly as we are and where we are. We have a hard time seeing ourselves as we truly are and where we're going. We always have a, a heightened and inflated sense of our, our own futures and, and the things that may lay on the horizon. And all of us may have either experienced or surely know somebody who when uh, things are kind of falling apart in our lives, uh, more often than not, we become optimists. And the friend who comes to you and says, uh, yeah, I'm struggling a little bit, but I've got all these irons in the fire. The truth of the matter is, there's not one iron in the fire. And when we really take a long, hard look at ourselves in our lives, it's no wonder that we wonder, what's our significance? What does it mean to live a full life? What does it mean to have a life of value? What does it mean to live a life that matters, a life that makes a difference? In a word, we're all lost. We don't know where we are. We don't know where we're going. And that leads each and every single one of us to a place of desperation in our lives. If you're not a Christian this morning, this world is as good as it gets. If you are a Christian, this world is as bad as it gets. In spite of that, we find it very difficult to believe that our salvation could lie outside of ourselves. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? 
We have all kinds of excuses as to why we ought to just stay under the fig tree. Philip comes and meets Nathaniel doing absolutely nothing. But Nathaniel's probably thinking, I have prospects. But it's a fig tree. And even when Philip comes to him and says, we've found the one that the scriptures talk about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel says to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? No, I want a God that is coming from the place where I want him to come from. That's not just the wrong side of town, that's the wrong side of the country. Each and every single one of us, when we're confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ, have some ingrained, built-in excuse as to why we don't want it. Now, you might not care if Jesus came from Nazareth or not, but there are plenty, little, uh, plenty of little footnotes that we hang on the teachings of Jesus, and even his call in our life, when he says go, you say, well, I don't want to go because Jesus, you just don't know what you're talking about. We're all worried about losing our freedom, and all we're doing is sitting under a fig tree. But God is already working in the heart of Nathaniel. He answers Philip's invitation to come and see. But it's not just Nathaniel's response that demonstrates the work of the Spirit in his life. We hear it straight from Jesus. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Before Philip had even said, we have found the Messiah, Jesus was at work in the heart of Nathanael. God's work is no different in our lives. Nathanael is not exceptional. Jesus sees you where you are and as you are right now. He's not a casual observer. He's trying to draw you out from under the fig tree. In fact, Jesus knew you before the very foundations of the world. Jesus is calling to you, specifically, personally, and directly. He is saying, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me. Well, who and what are we being called to? Who is Jesus? What kind of Savior is calling us to himself? Well, there are lots of things to say about Jesus, but I want to concentrate on one area that maybe we often neglect about who Jesus is. And that is that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Not just that, Jesus is drawn to sinners. Did you know that? I mean, we say that and we sing that, but do you know what that means? That the holy God is actually attracted to sinful people. And judging by his life and ministry, the more sinful they were, the more he seemed to love them. And when we come into a relationship with Jesus, there's a great irony in that we may have thought we were sinful when we were under the fig tree, but once we actually come unto Jesus, that's really when we find out just how sinful we are. 
just how broken we are, just how twisted we can be, just how desperate we have, just how desperate our need is for Jesus. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, we are only aware of our sin because of God. We can't know just how sinful we are by looking at our own sin. We must look to Jesus and know him to really understand the nature and power of sin in our lives. And so if Jesus is a friend of sinners, if Jesus is drawn to sinners, I want you to ask yourself this question. Who is Jesus in the midst of your darkest sins? Who is Jesus in those dark moments of your life, maybe in the privacy of your own heart or in the privacy of your home, but those moments when you start to question whether or not you might be a Christian or not, where you wonder, how in the world can I continue to do this thing when I know Jesus? Who is Jesus and where is he in those moments? Well, friends, Satan may have the first word, but Jesus has the last. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the perfect offering for our sins. Do you know that in those moments, Jesus is our advocate? He jumps up and answers all accusers. He speaks in our defense when we sin, not when we get over it. Not when we get our life together and Jesus says, well, now I feel like I can defend you, but actually in the midst of it if you're in Christ. And this advocacy of Jesus in a significant way is what leads us to be able to defeat sin in our own lives. You have an advocate. As God, Jesus is all the fullness of God but as a man, and I want to be very careful how I say this, but as a man, our coming to Jesus increases his happiness and glory. When we come to Jesus, we don't deplete him. Don't you feel that way sometimes, that Jesus is some sort of storehouse of grace and, and you kind of make withdrawals and after a while, he's just all spent up and he's not going to want anything to do with this. I've already given you all the grace I can give, but actually quite the opposite. We don't deplete him. When we come to Jesus in our sinfulness, in our brokenness, when we come to him seeking forgiveness and healing, it actually increases Jesus. It's the very thing that Jesus loves to do. The author of Hebrews in chapter 12 says, Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What is this joy that was set before him? It's the joy that Jesus experiences seeing sinners reconciled, healed, restored, and forgiven. That's what he did all that for. Don't you experience more joy at the healing of your children than you do at your own healing? When a loved one lies in great need and, and all of a sudden the great healing work is done, don't you rejoice more at their healing than as if it were your own? 
It's no different with Jesus. In fact, it's more so. Sin most definitely displeases God. But in fact, it may be a particular kind of sin. Unrepentant sin that is demonstrated in our unwillingness to seek forgiveness in Jesus Christ. It's those sins where we try to hold back from God. God, I I don't want to bring this to you because I'm afraid of how you might respond. I'm afraid I might not experience the forgiveness that you offer. The sin that you want to keep from Jesus will be dealt with outside of Jesus. Where his love is like an ocean without bottom and without shores. His wrath against sin shows no hesitation when that sin is outside of him. It's no wonder that we might hesitate and ask, how could God forgive someone like me? John Newton, in writing a letter to a friend, said, Our sins are many, but his mercies are more. Our sins are great, but his righteousness is greater. We are weak, but he is power. Most of our complaints are owing to unbelief and the remainder of a legal spirit. And these evils are not removed in a day. Newton is saying what I've been trying to say and and what Nathaniel demonstrates, that no matter where you are in your life, no matter how broken, no matter how aimless, come to Jesus. Come and see. Lay your life before him. Unburden your heart to the God unto whom all hearts are open and from whom no secrets are hid. And for those of you who say, I can't, I just can't. John Bunyan, the great author of Pilgrim's Progress, has a great word for us from a sermon he preached called Come and Welcome to Jesus Christ, based on John 6.37. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Hear this dialogue that Bunyan relays in his sermon. But I am a great sinner, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I am an old sinner, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I am a hard-hearted sinner, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I am a backsliding sinner, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have served Satan all my days, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have sinned against light, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have sinned against mercy, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have no good thing to bring with me, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. Where are we? And who are we? When we're called to Jesus Christ. 
Who and what are we being called to? So many of us remain apart from God because we do not know his heart and mind. Do you know Jesus as the friend of sinners who says, come unto me, and whoever comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Oh, praise God for the witness of Nathaniel who got up from under the fig tree and came unto Jesus. And the invitation to us is the same one that was given to him 2,000 years ago. Come and see. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we're lost without you. And Lord, even those of us who are in you fall into the trap of, of thinking too much of this world and looking for salvation within ourselves and apart from you. But Lord, may we this morning come unto you and live that we might know you and take your burden upon us. Lord, help us to do this for our good, but above all, for your great glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. 